You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Welcome to Sun Life Church. Uh, my, name, my name is Bin, and I'm the, the pastor and the, the, the person who gets to teach the word of God here this morning. Um, I just thought I want to say a few things before we look into the text. Uh, there are two events which is happening right now that I really want to, uh, I guess, plug and encourage you to prayerfully consider it. The first one is Alpha. We are starting Alpha uh, for adults and for youth. It's already happened already. It started um, this last week. But I want to encourage uh, Sun Lifers that if you know of people who you want to introduce them to Jesus, Alpha is an amazing course. It's a great tool that I believe that God has blessed us to news to help our family and friends uh, meet this Jesus that we love, the Jesus that we are following. It happens here on Wednesday night uh, for adults and Friday night for youth. And so right now, maybe right now, as I begin to just remind you, if there's someone that God has in place upon your heart to invite and encourage them to come along to Alpha, why don't you take this opportunity to pray for them and ask God to give you the courage to invite them. And maybe you also come along with them. With Alpha, it's not like, hey, you come, uh, good luck, it's at the church building in Leaderville, see you later. No, why don't we come together? And there is dinner provided, uh, there's a short video, some great discussion. So can I uh, encourage Sun Lifers right now? Like if there is someone that you love, someone that you are working with, someone that God has been placing in your hearts for some time, this is a great opportunity to invite them to Alpha. Now, Parents, also, encourage your youth to go to Alpha. It is great. I asked my two boys when they came home, how, how was the first session? They said it was really, really, really good. The video was really, really engaging. It's making me think about my faith. And I think for parents with teenagers, for youth, please pray for them. Right? Never have the assumption and never assume that our kids are saved. We have a responsibility to introduce them to Jesus Right? And that's our mission field, parents at home. You've got to be praying for your children. You've got to be modeling what it means like to be following Jesus. So invite them, champion them on to Alpha Youth on Friday night with David and his team. Now, the second thing I want to plug is Monday Learning Space. Monday Learning Space is simply 90 minutes, 90 minutes of Bible, 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 Bible. That's it. There's no food. There's no worship. It's just Bible, Bible, Bible. And this term, we are going through the Bible, the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we want to have a holistic view of God's story in Scripture. And so my encouragement is this, is that if you want to know more about the Bible, if you want to be able to go, oh, I can see God's kingdom here. I can see how there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Oh, I can see how the old prophets and major prophets were prophesizing about the coming of the Messiah. Oh, I can see why John the Baptist said this. Well, that's for you. And it's eight weeks of just Bible, 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 Bible. And Brian Chan, who is just a wizard when it comes to Bible, he's running it and I get to support him. And so we've already had one session. Uh, Tomorrow is session two. And so I've been informed by Brian that it's okay for you to join session two onwards, right? But if you miss session two, forget about joining from session three because it's just, whew. All right, so 
there's homework, there's reading, and there's also the Bible. Okay, so they're, they're the two things I want to plug. Is that okay? Is that great, great, great. Now, did anyone read Colossians 2, second half? Hands up. Wonderful. Seven of you. Praise the Lord. If I mention the word surrender, if I mention the word surrender, what's the very first thing that comes to mind? We often think it's associated with wars, battles. One side has won, the other side maybe waving the white flag in surrender. If you're on the side that's waving the white flag, you have lost the war. You've been defeated, you are the weak. That's what usually comes to mind when we think of the word surrender. I've given up, I've been defeated. The reality is that we surrender to a lot of things in this world. For example, you may surrender to fear and avoid doing things that you find uncomfortable. I'm not going on the roller coaster. You may surrender to human desires, your fleshy desires, and you do things that damages your mind and your body. You may surrender to the expectations of your peers, and sometimes we call that peer pressure. You may surrender to the world's narrative of success, which we all know has a lot to do with power, position, performance, and paychecks. See, this morning's text here, I want to show you that surrendering is not weak but rather a sign that you're strong in the Lord. Our English preacher, William Booth, I quote him, he says this, the greatest of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. So there are two things I want to teach you from the text concerning surrender. Number one, we should all surrender our rights for one another. And I'll talk about that and what that means as mature Christians and we also should surrender our ways to our Savior. And that's where I want to go this morning. So it's a bit deep, but it's in the text. Okay, let me pray, and we'll work the text together. Father God, I pray now that you would help me as I teach your word well. I pray, God, that you be our great teacher, that you would use me in this moment to be faithful to text. And may we just love you more, Jesus, that we're willing to surrender it all completely to you because you are worth it. So Lord, would you help me to articulate and preach your word with clarity, with authority, with passion, with relevancy, Lord, as we leave this morning loving you even more. Bless me, use me, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, you may now turn to Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to the end of the chapter. You may also want to open up the church app as well, because the church app will have all the passages there. The first point is this, is that I believe that Mature Christians, mature Christians, if you are growing in the ways of Jesus, that you have to learn to surrender to one another. Look in verse 16. Let's work the text together. It says, Therefore, Paul is saying, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. The word judge here, better translated by the word intimidate. The Greek word is closer to the word intimidate. Do not let anyone intimidate or boss you around with what you eat or drink, okay, or with regard to religious festival, a 
new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. So what's happening here is Paul is saying to the young Christians in Colossae, do not hear the voices of these so-called mature Christians who are intimidating you. They're judging you because there were some teachers. If you remember, they came into the church and they're so-called mature and they're looking down upon these new Christians and they're going, oh, you should not be eating that. You should not be drinking that because if you know your Bible, right, in the Old Testament, there were certain dietary restrictions that God says you shall not eat because they're unclean. Now, so these people were saying to the new Christians in Colossae, that's not good. Woe to you. Shame on you for eating that, for drinking that. Not only that, they were saying you should be keeping all the religious ceremonies of the Old Testament. You're not doing that, you immature Christians. And they were just judging these people. Now imagine if you were a new Christian and in the church, someone came along and says, look at you, how bad are you? Woe to you, not good enough, Uh -uh, right? You would feel what? Very demoralized, very discouraged, very deflated. And this was happening to the young Christians in Colossae. And Paul knew about this. So Paul says, don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them impose things upon you. And then Paul says in verse 17, all the things that they've been saying, food, drinks, ceremonies, rituals, they are all a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, in other words, the substance, however, is found in Christ Jesus. You see what Paul is saying? He's saying all these things that they're talking about, they're all shadows. They're not the substance. And we all know that a shadow, right, it takes up the shape of a solid object, right? A shadow is what? Flimsy, it's insubstantial, it's fragile, but a substance, it's the real thing. It's concrete, it's solid, you can touch it, you get to enjoy it, it's tangible. And Paul is saying that all the religious system of Israel of the past, it's a shadow. Jesus has come, He's the substance enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. He's tangible. Don't bother with all the things of the past. I'll make a confession. I have this thing at the end of the night. I like to watch silly video clips of food. I don't know. I'm, I'm watching food from around the globe, especially sweets and desserts. Can anyone relate to me? Anyone? No one? There's someone there. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? But I just watch it. I don't know. I'm watching this. And, and my wife, Tran, she knows that I love a nice bowl or plate of fruits or sweet at the end of the night. And she will always prepare that most nights in the week where we would enjoy some sweet together, just as I rest up. Uh, some, people, some people like to enjoy the end of the night with a glass of wine or a port. I like to enjoy the end of the night with some sweetie, I don't know, fruit or dessert. Now, If my wife came and prepared a nice plate of sweet right before me, do you think I would continue watching the videos? Like, do you think I would still imagine indulging in some nice dark chocolate from Belgium or some nice ice chendo from Penang or a burnt Japanese cheesecake? or a slice of apple strudel from Corico in Northbridge? Absolutely not! Why would I? 
because the substance is right before me. I close that YouTube channel and I'm going to enjoy what is tangible before me. And that's what Jesus is saying. Paul is saying that you have Jesus. Enjoy him. Forget about everything of the past. It doesn't mean anything to you, Colossians. That's why GB Card, I quote him. He says this, Once we see the fullness of the sacrifice in the cross, we understand what the sacrificial worship of the Old Testament was groping after. You understand Jesus. He fulfills everything. He's all that you need. And Paul says to the Colossians, don't worry about what they're saying. Ignore the noises from them. And then now Paul begins to attack these teachers. Look in verse 18 and 19. He says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person, they go into great details about what they have seen. They're all puffed up with idle notions of their unspiritual mind. He says they have lost connection with the head, which means they've lost connection with Jesus, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. What he's saying, he says, ignore these people. They've got a false humility. They claim to be humble. Here's the thing about humility. If you claim to be humble, guess what? You're not. Here's an advice for anyone dating. Ladies, if you're dating some guy and he says to you, I love Jesus, that's a tick. Continue on. But if he starts saying things like, you know, I fast once a week, the real biblical fast, 72 hours of no food once a week. I give up all my evenings serving the poor and serving the homeless and the kids at church and the youth and the worship team. And I'm at prayer every night. In fact, I am a humble Christian, I believe so. Hashtag red flag. <laughs> Hashtag I'm a Christian, get me out of here. You know, Tim Keller says this about humility. Humility is so shy, if you begin talking about it, it leaves. And these people here, these so-called mature Christians, claim to be humble. And they're puffed up. They're really saying that I'm better than you all. Look at me. Look how humble I am. And then Paul says they've lost connection with the head. They're disconnected from Jesus. In other words, their ways are not the ways of Jesus. Leave them, Paul says to the Colossians. Now, here's the application for us. Listen carefully. One of the dangers for all Christians, for you and for me, is to think that our maturity is based on how many years we've been in church. How many times we've read the Bible cover to cover. How many Christian books we have read? How many sermons we have listened to? And that knowledge, if we're not careful, can lead to arrogance and pride, and it puffs us up. You know, and sometimes, if we're not careful, we have this thinking, right, is that there's no more to be learned because I know it all. What's that saying? What's that saying out there? It is hard to teach an old dog new tricks. In psychology, they call this willful blindness. It's when you believe that you're always right, that your way is the best, and you will not listen to anyone, and you may listen to people 
who are of higher status than yourself, but you're pretty good that you know it all. And that knowledge, it puffs us up. And in the church, if we're not careful, we draw the conclusion is that we're better than people because we've been here longer. We've read the Bible more times. Therefore, we look down upon the young children, the youth, and especially the new Christians. And we saw that in the church of Colossae. But what Paul says about knowledge in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, he says, all of us possess knowledge. Be careful, this knowledge puffs up. The context here, let me explain the context here in Corinthians, is that there were some Christians eating food that was once offered to idols. And Paul says, he says this, if you understand Corinthians 8, 9, 10, he says that these idols have no power over those in Christ. In other words, you have a freedom to eat whatever you want. That's in 1 Corinthians. You have the freedom to eat food even if it has been offered to idols. But Paul says this to the Christians there, just because you have that new freedom, just because you have that new knowledge, do not go around puffing up as if you are better than the Christians whose conscience says that no, it's wrong for me to eat food offered to idols. Do you understand that? Just because you have that knowledge, it doesn't mean that you can puff up looking down on people who still struggle to eat food offered to idols. I'll tell you a story. When I was nine years old, nine years old, I remember this so clear. My family, we were at a dinner party and my mum and dad and my uncles and aunties were at a dinner party and then we realized, well, they realized that halfway during the dinner party, they've been eating food that was offered to idols earlier that afternoon. All right, here's a picture here of just some of the Asian, Vietnamese way of offering food to idols. And as they were eating, they realized that. It's like if you're eating some fried noodles and as you take your first bite, you realize there's a strain of hair. It's like that. And I remember my parents not enjoying the rest of the night because in their minds, they've committed this really bad sin towards their God. They're very angry towards their friends because their friends didn't tell them that the food that they were enjoying was offered to idols that afternoon, and they left that night so distressed. And I remember the little boy going, what is going on here? They were angry, they were upset, because they felt that they disappointed and sinned against their Savior. Situations like that, listen carefully, still happens today in every generation. There's always a point of contention. Should Christians consume alcohol? Should Christians go to the movies? Should Christians watch Harry Potter? Should Christians go dancing in disco? We look into Scripture, and we need to handle these questions with care, but most importantly, with love. It must be rooted in love, because there are some people, in their conscience, it's a no-go. I still know of people today, friends of mine today, who struggles to see a Christian drinking alcohol because of some past traumatic events in their family. So in their mind, they go, that's a no-go zone. And so when we read Scripture and we find that there's no clear, you should not do this, you should not do that, we have to treat every decision with this principle of love. And it goes a bit like this. Listen carefully. 
I, right, if I, Bin, you, exercise my rights or my freedom, and if it has a bad effect on others, then I will surrender my rights for the love of another person, and I will not do that. That's the principle of love that I want you to understand. That we have rights, we have freedom to eat this, drink that, watch this movie, go there, do that. But for the sake of someone else, if that is going to affect them, surrender your rights for them. That, my friend, is Christian maturity. The willingness to surrender your rights for someone else. And you and I, if we claim to be close followers of Jesus, claim to be mature, learn to surrender your rights for the love of someone else. I'll give you an example that I've shared before. Uh, many years ago, I was in Vietnam. I was in Vietnam. I was eating with uh, some Vietnamese and Korean church leaders and church pastors. And we're having lunch, and I was ordering my drinks, and I ordered a beer because it was a hot afternoon in Vietnam. And as the waiter handed me my ice-cold beer, all the other Christian leaders looked at me as though I've committed the unforgivable sin. Now, in my conscience, I know there's nothing wrong with that. And I could prove them in Scripture. But in their mind, their conscience, it says, in their mind, it was a sin. So, you know what I did, right? I reluctantly handed the beer back and ordered the holier, godly beer version, the ginger beer. <laughs> and then these pastors, then these pastors, I kid you not, started ordering meat, food. And so they started ordering meat of the canine variety. That's dog meat. And in my mind, I'm going, my conscience says, I'm eating no bluey and bingo. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a sin to me. And my point is this, is that your conscience will say it's wrong. My conscience might say it's right. But if it's not in the Bible, we can learn to surrender our rights for someone else. That, my friend, is Christian maturity. And I want you to keep that in mind. Because it's not about puffing our chest going, I know the Bible more than you. I know it's okay. You're weak. I'm strong. I'm better than you. No. Christian maturity is when I'm willing to surrender, and there's power in that, my rights for the love of someone else because I do not want to stumble with them. Amen? And so there's a book called Authentic Church, and Vaughan Roberts, he outlines this, and it's on the screen here, and it's on the church app. Let me explain. This is wonderful. you like this here. And if you can take a photo or you can download, it says this, right? Does the Bible allow it? If the Bible don't allow it, don't do it. Simple as that. But if the Bible says, yes, it's okay, before you even do it, what is your conscience saying? What is your conscience saying? If your conscience says, nah, I don't do it, I don't want to do it, then don't do it. But if your conscience says, yeah, there's nothing wrong with drinking a nice pale ale. Go for it. But then now, look at the last stage. What are the people around you thinking? Will it affect non-believers? Will it affect yourself? Will it affect believers? And if the answer is yes, it will affect them, surrender your rights for them. If it doesn't affect them, then the last stage is green tick, 
Go and do it, but make sure everything you do, the Bible says right there, whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory and honor of God. That is surrendering your rights for someone else. And I believe that there's such humility and love if we as a church understand that. So the next time, you know, someone's drinking a decaf latte with almond milk, don't look down upon them. <laughs> love them. Surrender your rights and your ego. It's okay. Now, let me read you something from Paul. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, though I am free, he goes, I'm free, and I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone. You see that? Surrendering his rights. Why? To win as many as possible. He says, to the weak, I became weak. See? Why? To win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I may what? I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. That is someone who's willing to surrender their rights for others. That's the first thing I want to teach you. Is that okay? Here's the second thing here. Surrender our ways to our Savior. I'll show you in the text. Look at verse 20 to 22. He says, Since you have died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why? Why as though you are still belong to the world? Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things, they are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. So what is he saying? He's saying, Colossians, Christians, you have all died. You've died to the self. And if you remember, when you die with Christ, you've also raised with Christ. Just go back with me to the same chapter, verse 12. He says this, Having been buried, you've died with Him in baptism, you have also what? Raised with Him through your faith in the working of God. So Paul is saying this, Colossians, false teachers, listen carefully. You've all died with Christ, which means you've died to the ways of the world. You've died to the old. You've raised with Christ. Now you're living the way of Christ. So why even bother doing the things of the world? That was because these false teachers, right, they had this idea that if the Colossians were really following Jesus, they had to prove it. And to prove it, they had to live a lifestyle where the physical body, listen carefully, is to be denied, punished, and even abused. Uh, we call that aestheticism, all right? Aestheticism is this common belief back then and today, right, that if you renounce the worldly pleasures, you know, don't eat this food, don't drink that drink, don't get married, don't have the internet, don't watch TV, it's all about self-denial, right? If you're willing to do that, then you will experience God in His fullness. Then you're a mature Christian. It's this thinking where if I have a lot of what you call physical negatives, I will have spiritual positive, right? I do this and I get that. It's very legalistic, right? And here's a picture here. So when you think of that, it's people who would starve themselves because they think that if I can starve myself, self-denial, then I'll be more holy. I get to enjoy God more. And look what Paul says in verse 23. He says, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. So on the outside, it looks pretty cool, right? 
with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of their bodies, treating the bodies harshly, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. There's nothing. It's meaningless. He's saying these man-made rules, it seems holy on the outside, but really we all know appearance is deceiving. Amen? And Paul says, don't surrender to what these teachers are saying. Don't surrender to the culture of the world. Just because everyone is saying self-denial, don't surrender. Surrender to your Savior. You see, the culture of the world today is very strong. It's all about us. It's about me. Do whatever you want as long as you're happy. If it feels right and it's good for you, do it. Because if you're happy, that's the most important thing. The culture of the world is having you and me at the center of the universe. That's the way of the world. The way of Jesus is nothing like that. You're thinking about others. It is sacrificial. It is gentle. It is humble. It is considerate. It is counter-cultural. You see, the world will say this. The ways of the world will say, you've worked hard. You've worked hard for it. It's yours. Hold it tightly. Hold your possession to yourself. You've worked hard. You can enjoy it all for yourself. That's the culture of the world. The ways of Jesus is that nothing is yours. It all came from God in His grace. Therefore, be generous. Be willing to give and let go as God desires. So Paul says to these Christians here, don't follow the ways of the world. Do not surrender to the world. Surrender to your Savior. You know, Paul once said this to the church in Corinth. He says that the ways of God will always seem weak and foolish in the eyes of the world. But here's the thing. It may seem weak, but there is power. It may seem foolish, but there is wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.25 For the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. How wonderful is that? So we are to surrender to our Savior. Let me finish off by saying this. The reason why a lot of Christians, me included, you, the reason why we find it very hard to completely surrender to our Savior is because we have a very small view of God. All right? We think that if we surrender to God, God will spoil all our fun. He'll spoil our fun. Therefore, we don't want to surrender to Him. We think that it's a huge price if we were to surrender to Him. We think there's too much of a demand if we were to surrender to Him. We think of FOMO, fear of missing out, if we surrender to Him. See, that's a very low view of God. When you have a low view of God, what happens is that you have a high view of yourself. You think yourself better than God. Therefore, you want to make decisions that you think is best. Therefore, ultimately, you become the center. What we need to do as Christians is to flip that and have a high view of God. Because when you have a high view of God, automatically, you have a low view of, of human, of yourself. 
When you have a high view of God, surrendering to God comes very naturally. A high view of God is to say, God, you are perfect. God, you're always good. God, you're powerful. God, you're in control. You're sovereign. God, you're trustworthy. God, you are faithful. And when you have a high view of God, surrendering to God seems very easy. It's not hard work. So when you read Scripture, and Scripture says, this is what God wants of you, a high view of God means that I can surrender to what God demands of me. If God says no, and the world says yes, a high view of God means I will still trust you because you know what's best. If the world says, retaliate, and God says, forgive, I can still forgive because I know that God is merciful because I have a high view of God. And then what happens is that we end up doing what God wants us to do. Why? We're surrendering to our Savior. It's all based on how you view God. Do you view God low or high? When you view God low, you view yourself high. But when you view God high, you will view yourself lowly. Therefore, you learn to submit and surrender to God. And you say, God, your way over my way. Your way is the best. My way is not the best. I might not like it, but I trust you because I know that you're in control. I trust you because you're sovereign. I trust you because you know the beginning to the end. Therefore, your view, your way is always higher than my view and my way. And that's when you and I can completely surrender to our Savior. Let me read you a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this, A man or a woman who wholly or joyously surrendered to Christ can't make a wrong choice. Any choice will be the right one. You may feel that it's the wrong choice. It's the right one. Because you've surrendered it all to Him. So friends, you and I, we have died with Christ. We've died the old. We have died to the ways of the world, but we've also raised with Christ. We are new. We are now following the ways of God. May we all surrender to one another in love. May we all surrender to our Savior because we're no longer old, but now new in Christ. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that the core this morning is for us to learn to surrender to one another and surrender to you. I pray for Sun Life Church that for anyone here this morning who struggled to surrender, who finds it hard because they still think that they know best, will you work in my brother and sister's heart this morning will you remind them that God you desire humility you desire us to trust you to lay down our rights for one another to lay down our life for you to surrender and completely follow you so I pray right now for anyone who is struggling in that area. Maybe there's someone here this morning, God, who needs to say sorry to someone at home or at work. I pray, God, that they would lay it before 
that person surrender and apologize. I pray for anyone here this morning who know that they need to completely surrender to you. There are areas in their lives where they are not budging, but this morning, God, you've made it very clear that they need to give up certain areas of their life, God. I pray, God, that right now, Holy Spirit, you do something wonderful in their hearts. They can surrender it all to you, completely surrender to you because you are worth it. Not follow the ways of this world, but follow your ways. So I pray for that individual. I also pray for this church, Sun Life Church, our church, Lord, that as we keep growing in you, Jesus, we grow in our maturity, not because we know more or because we have the theological thinking, but rather because there's love, there's humility, there's kindness, and there's surrendering to one another as we lay our rights down for each other. So help us as a church to model that well. I pray for parents at home as they model that well to their children to surrender before their children. Oh Lord, would you help parents? I pray for leaders in this church here that as we lead, we lead not lording over people, but we lead with humility, a servanthood attitude, surrendering to one another. And Lord, may we be a church where we love you more and more as we surrender our lives to you. Bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Why don't we be upstanding, church? Let's just begin to, to sing. You know, as we worship, I, I feel led that um, as we sing, as we sing,